You can use technology to amplify yourself, but the mistake happens when you use it to replace yourself. What technology should I use to curate my community? And what you're saying is you're thinking about the tool, not about the talent, and that is the problem. Scott Gerber is CEO of the Community Company, an organization that builds and manages communities for global brands and media companies. Examples include the Ad Age Collective, Forbes Councils, the Business Journal's Leadership Trust, and the Young Entrepreneur Council, an invitation-only organization of some of the world's most successful young entrepreneurs. Scott is also a public speaker, syndicated columnist, and author of Never Get a Real Job, and co-author of Super Connected, all about building business relationships that matter. Book Left founder Brian Scanlon recently had a lively conversation with Scott. Enjoy. Scott, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Scott, and you're obviously a prolific writer and speaker, and, and you know, we're so excited to have you here uh, today. And one of the things that you've actually written about is, is kind of failure, you know, and, and, and learning from failure. And we, we've done a podcast on lifelong learning and that. So it's an area of, of interest from us. But, you know, maybe, maybe you could start there uh, with kind of the lesson, because I think we all kind of catapult forward from, from those failures. Yeah, you know, I think as a younger entrepreneur, uh, when I first got started, um, a lot of my failures were, I think, the the atypical, almost at this point, uh, you know, the, the ones that almost you're supposed to make, right? At this point, it's the, <laughs> yeah. you made decisions too fast, spent too much money, didn't listen to the right people, uh, spread yourself too thin, didn't focus, you know, all, all these different things that, you know, define uh the, the initial learnings through the School of Hard Knocks. And, you know, I'm a full believer uh, that failing small is better than failing, uh, you know, than never having failed at all. Yeah. Um, you know, because failing small allows you to be smarter, uh, be leaner, uh, get better, hire better people around you, all the things that these lessons teach. Uh, I think the, the challenge uh, is that what I see a lot of young entrepreneurs today that uh, I speak to or that I uh, these days meet with on Zoom, um, <laughs> you know, is, 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 the, is the critical second step, which is don't make the same mistake twice. Exactly. And, and I think a lot of folks, you know, fall, fall for that, unfortunately, far too often where, you know, they go through the hard knocks uh, lessons, but then don't. Uh, internalize those lessons and ultimately fall on their face for the same reasons they did the first time. And that's where, uh, you know, a little bit of self-reflection is important. And that's ultimately where I think uh, one of the greatest strengths I've ever had is, you know, having a partner in my business that we complement each other's strengths and weaknesses and can pull each other up and down, um, you know, as needed, uh, both through education, emotional roller coaster, the whole nine. Uh, but, but the ability to have that double lens on every mistake that's made uh, really does ensure that we don't make the same mistake twice. You know, I think sometimes entrepreneurs, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're determined and they're actually stubborn because they have an idea, they want to make change and, and you have to, you know, go at it hard, but it's almost like they want to prove it again. You know, they failed and they're like, well, this time I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it right. And, and, and the reality is that rarely do you get that second chance. Well, you, you know, what's interesting is, is that I've over the years, um, you know, as I have dissected my own uh, career, uh, looked at moments that were, you know, when you could finally look from the reflective point of view rather than yeah. the roller coaster point of view for just a minute. Um, you know, what I've learned is that the, the number one sort of thing that I have ever uh, been fortunate, I guess, to really understand is that entrepreneurs, by definition, are not risk takers. Um, <laughs> that's like the folklore of, you know, yeah. uh, magazines and everything. What they are is risk mitigators. 
leaders, right? They are people that might have big vision, big plans, but the best ones ultimately figure out how to make the best decisions possible that will lead to the least amount of risk taken. Um, you know, even in the moments where you have, let's say, a high burn rate venture backed startup uh, that you have to grow, baby, grow as part of the philosophy of the very foundations of the business, you, know, you still have to mitigate every single step because if your burn rate goes from, you know, X to Y, you know, that's more risk than the tolerance was when you took on that investment or when you set out for that run rate goal or whatever the case may be. Uh, and so I think that that's just been a, a real telling sign uh, for me that when I feel a moment of risk taking, I sort of take a step back and say, you know, why do I feel that way? What are the things that have led me uh, to, to get a little uneasy about a decision? Have I asked enough people? Have I, uh, you know, gathered life experience or professional experience to help me guide the path forward before? Um, is this net new to me? So it begins to help your psyche to understand the ways you can ask yourself questions, internalize information, um, and operationalize various different parts of the decision-making process to make the best decision possible. And, you know, I think one of the things I, I really like is, you know, really having, you know, a, a group of people that can kind of call you on either your bullshit or your, mm -hmm. your opportunities and, and kind of give you that, that, that perspective, you know, cause I think, you know, we all like to think that we have this really great internal, like danger young Robinson buzzer that goes off, uh, you know, when, when something's there, but the reality is, you know, kind of like lost in space, you know, you need the robot to say, no, Hey, this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is danger. And, uh, you, and, you know, yeah, absolutely. way more dangerous you than you think. Yeah. An inner yeah circle you, you need that. You that yeah. The, the crucial inner circle. And that's the foundation of any smart uh, decision-making community, uh, a way to live your life, to run your business. I mean, you know, in my world, you know, I have a handful of people, uh, my partner, my wife, you know, certain other folks that I feel are, you know, core to my decision-making rubric, because there's all different types of decisions you're going to make in the course of business. And that will affect all different outcomes as well as all different people. Uh, and, and I think it's important to have that well-rounded uh, inner circle that you're going to trust your gut with your, future with your decision-making process with because at the end of the day sometimes you know I'm, I'm the first one you know to admit this you know you either have like your type a entrepreneur like I am where it's like you see you know something and you just run straight at the wall yeah. and you're gonna run <laughs> at the wall as fast as you can as many times you can until you break through the, the wall. wall will break you're gonna have, <laughs> right right and then you're gonna have another kind of entrepreneur you're sort of more introvert type B uh, entrepreneur like my partner Ryan uh, who you know could you know get stuck in things like uh, analysis paralysis or operation know-how or get just sucked down in, in operational decisions that needs a different kind of lens. So both of us have those, you know, various weaknesses, but they are complemented by tremendous strengths. I mean, having someone like my partner tell me, you know, operationally what a decision is really going to make uh, and take and assess yeah, that from yeah. what the goals and outcome are, are on the other side for me to explain, you know, what is the fundamental value that we can achieve by unlocking operational excellence and new thing. It's just a great marriage and partnership. And then the same thing goes for like, say, when I mentioned like my wife, you know, when you have someone who is, is fully in, you know, every decision I make affects our family, affects the way that we live our lives, affects mm -hmm. relationships. So, so there's just a lot of different things and lenses you should use when making any kind of decision because entrepreneurship's an all in game. There, there's no middle. And I think, you know, and, and I think it cuts both ways, you know, that, that inner circle, you know, in, in my case, you know, when I started Look Left about four years ago, um, I didn't take two pieces of advice from my inner circle. I took out most of the other advice and man, did those things like hit me square in the forehead. And 
And it was like, <laughs> oh, you know, there, there's a reason why that you, you, you kind of go to these people, even, even if you don't like what they have to say. And, but at the same time, they can also be your cheerleaders too. And, you know, it, and in my case it was my wife, you know, we, you know, we had a, like a little bit of rough patch early on. She's like, what are you doing? Keep going. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think, you know, you know, uh, that, that can be some of the power of communities too, which is, you know, one of the things we're going to uh, talk about today is that community can be, uh, could be a powerful force in kind of cheering you on and validating what you're doing. They can also be a mob, but in most cases, they, <laughs> they could be a good, a, a good thing. Is there a way, you know, what, was there a light bulb moment for you on the power of communities where you're just, you know, clearly that's part of, you know, part of what you're doing now where you're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is really important now. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I was um, uh, much younger and uh, you know, I was assessing my true first, failure, uh, in, in total failure, ultimately not proceeding with the business I was working on, you know, and reflecting on that moment, you know, when I looked at what was the biggest issue uh, of, that led to that just total flop, um, it wasn't all the aforementioned dumb decisions I, I mentioned before, you know, the, the spending too much or, or the, you know, making too many unfocused decisions or all those things. Sure, it was all those things, but it was not actually those things. What it was, was not having people around me that I could trust and guide me in the right direction. It was not investing in uh, surrounding myself with a protective shell, if you will, with, with, with my own, you know, private uh, army. Uh, mm. folks that could keep me on mission or, you know, help me to, to you know, produce the right strategy or create the right outcome. And in reflecting on that, that was sort of when a moment, it was a, a pretty, uh, you know, important sort of decision I had made in my career at that point to say, look, you know, I was at my worst point professionally speaking. And I said, you know, if I am ever at a point in my life where I have, you know, any level of success, I want to make sure that I never have someone else, uh, a kid at that point, it was what my initial thinking was, you know, a young entrepreneur, a young wannabe entrepreneur, uh, be in that position ever again, where they truly felt alone on every level mm. and couldn't uh, turn to someone. And, you know, thankfully my next business did much better. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the sort of beginnings of the community uh, company are back in 2010 when really it was just the YEC, Young Entrepreneur Council, um, where that was sort of uh, by accident because I, I sort of lived up to what I said I was going to do. You know, I, I uh, had found a certain level of success, uh, financial independence, uh, built a company. Uh, and, you know, this was at the height of uh, the Great Recession. Um, you know, young people at that time were being underemployed or unemployed in mass numbers. Uh, the uh, graduation to employment ratios were miserable. Uh, and I sort of had this uh, idea to say, look, well, what if I could, you know, really live up to what I said, which is help young people to create their own jobs to keep a job. And that sort of became my mantra back then, you know, this idea of, you know, create your own future. Uh, you know, look what I did. I, I didn't revolutionize the world. I didn't set out to build a billion dollar business. I set out to build something that could take care of myself and my family and I'm going to show yeah. you how to do it too and a lot of other young entrepreneurs from that generation um, of successful entrepreneurs sort of came and surrounded me as we got more in play and more um, you know uh, uh, messaging around the concept and the idea of uh, the young entrepreneur council uh, and the basic premise was you know we're better together than alone 
Uh, and we basically helped young people through educational seminars, through speaking, through all kinds of things, you know, help them understand that from the, from the mouth of their peers, people they could relate to, not just your Richard Branson's, but exactly. the person that's yeah. five, seven years older than you, um, that this is doable. And then in that moment, the aha sort of began where, yes, we were doing this sort of social impact, uh, philanthropically focused initiative, but all the people that were giving their time, then all of a sudden wanted to connect. They all wanted to meet with the other successful entrepreneurs, you know, not just be of, of service, but also learn from one another, from people that were at their own level uh, or business developmental stage. And so the, the real hardening of community became this group that would do well, a bunch of, you know, do-gooding, uh, you know, uh, Gen Y entrepreneurs, but then they all got together to ultimately build businesses together and create partnerships together and do peer-to-peer -peer mentorship and networking behind closed doors. And that was the beginnings of us understanding the model that then led to uh, today where we obviously have, you know, many, uh, many thousands of entrepreneurs, executives and various programs that we run, own and manage. But from that very, pre you know, principle of, you know, do well and do good, do well by, you know, having something you stand for, or giving back where appropriate to make an impact uh, and, you know, do, do good, I'm sorry, do good by that and do well by connecting the best of the best uh, to continue doing their best work. You know, it's funny that you, you bring up sort of the, the famous entrepreneurs, you know, and uh, who have the, their books and their how-tos. And, you know, of course, some of them are more, uh, I think, more legitimate and honest and, and, and caring than, than others, right? And uh, I remember this time when I was in uh, Berlin, and I used to run a global tech practice in those days. And they're like, you know, we're going to go do this thing with these uh, technology entrepreneurs. You run a tech practice. And so I go to this like dark, dark basement in, in Berlin. And I'm like, great. Am I going to you know, come out of here with all my organs? This is like a little weird. And <laughs> there were 25 and I'll call them kids because, you know, I got a five in front of my age right now and um, all dressed in hoodies and T-shirts and they're all the first question and the second question and the fifth question were like, tell us about uh, Zuckerberg and what's he doing and how did he do it? And, and it was really fascinating that they, they were looking for kind of like this secret, right. You know, that there's like this trick. And I, I, you know, I, I it just, the story just comes back to me as you were talking. I remember I looking at them and I said, there are 25 of you in this room. How often do you do this? Get together when you discover something good, share it with everybody here. You know, when, you, when you're going with a vendor, negotiate your prices down because you could bring them 24 other customers. And I mm -hmm. said, your, your value is your community here. And if you want a message from Zuckerberg, he built a business on community. And, uh, and you know, use your community here. And because, you know, for every one of those that you could point to, there are 10,000 that didn't make it. So I said, mm -hmm. you know, and I, you know, and it, that wasn't the whole conversation, but it was just interesting to see that this, they already had a community, but they had no idea that it was there, it, you know? So, so it leads me to this question for you, which is like, it feels like you can start a community fairly easy, you know, like a, mm -hmm. let's, let's just call it the meetup moment, right? Like, Oh, we're just going to mm -hmm. do something. But communities are actually pretty hard to kind of get going. And how, how, is there anything that's like good advice for starting a community? Like, what should you do? You know, it is, it's a great question because the idea basically behind community is it shouldn't be forced, right? Um, the reason that YEC in its initial form was so successful is we didn't set out to build a business charge people mm. memberships 
and then you know get them to connect right there was a like-mindedness there was a bond there was a trust uh that was built around the very idea of what our thesis our, com our connected ethos was of why we wanted to be there we wanted to you know help young people become entrepreneurial and by definition as we were that target demographic of young entrepreneurs the, the synergies, the like-mindedness, and the approach made sense for us to connect. So that like-mindedness was what brought us together. And then the bonds being created and expounded upon is what makes it valuable. And so, yes, any person today can go on any number of sites, a LinkedIn group, a Facebook group, a meetup.com, a, a bar night when COVID's over, <laughs> like, and, and basically have their own version of a community. I think the challenge is a couple of things. The best communities that actually provide value, the secret is actually not really a secret at all. The first thing is, is it truly, number one, first and foremost, is it curated? Are the right people connected to one another? Is it feel not exclusive in the sense of elitist or snobbish, but does it feel like if I'm going to dedicate my time, there will be mutual value exchange that the time is worth it, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times people have told me in the past, man, you should come to this conference or man, you should go to this trade mm. show. Or, man, you... And again, these are uncurated, unvetted areas that sure, there's value to be had, but what do you hear from most people that attend the events about their most worthwhile uh, activities? Exactly. It's the smaller things they do offsite that they're not on the trade floor. Um, it's the speakers getting together that are speaking at the conference at a restaurant that night privately, right? So the first thing is just determining what is that curation and vetting? You know, and this doesn't have to be some, you know, very in-depth thing. Let's just take a basic practical thing for your listeners. Uh, you know, since you're in the marketing world and so forth, you know, let's just say argument's sake, uh, a business development person, okay, at a company wants to build a quote-unquote community around them. That community could be 10 people. And maybe it is him or her contacting all of the other BD people in their circle that have done at least, you know, deals of, in the last, let's say, 12 months of at least a million dollars uh, or $2 million in sales. So you know the level of person you're at least going to be at around a table with, right? There's a commonality. There's an understanding of curation. There's an understanding that people are going to be around the same business developmental stage. There's a lens on the event. And I think that's very important. Um, the second thing that is really, again, not a secret, but where most communities go off a cliff is they start off getting shot out of a cannon and then they sputter. Uh, it's because they don't have consistency and frequency. I think that, you know, the best communities start a tradition. They create a user behavior. They have something that is ultimately going to be, uh, ups you're going to be upset if you miss something, right? If you can't attend that thing, it should feel painful. And those are the communities that do the best. And so the idea of being able to create this vetted group that allows for this level of high, you know, touch peer-to-peer -peer connectivity around a like-minded group that meets quarterly, okay, doesn't change the scenery because it's not about the scenery, it's about the people, <laughs> um, and, and has some sort of non-agenda room uh, is, is a good start. And then you say to yourself, okay, um, how do you make it more worthwhile? Well, the next thing is remove all the friction, right? You know, so you as the super connector, the person in the middle of the room should remove or aim to remove as much friction from the event or from the gatherings or from the digital, uh, you know, group you're going to use technology-wise as possible. What do I mean? Well, you should look and see what is something that everybody is looking for prior to the event. Where do they need help? Where can they be of service? How do you get that all into a digest format? 
or put that into some form of email that gets circulated prior? Um, how do you take all the common sense bona fides out by sending the LinkedIn bio for every person prior? Uh, how do you determine as a super connector uh, who should connect? Well, why don't you find at least a plus one person for each person there that they should be sitting next to to start conversation and then not tell them why they're sitting next to each other and let them figure it out where that commonality is. There's a lot of things you can do once you've got the framework down, but those are sort of the core elements. Some level of vetting and curation, ensuring that there's a consistency and frequency, um, ensuring you're removing all of the BS that typically has to take place like the 25 yeah. minutes of introductions that nobody <laughs> wants to sit through, right? And then finally, and, and this is really the aha, it's not so much a business um, uh, tactic so much as it is a community one, though one could say it's common sense referral strategy. Um, you know, your inner circle begets another inner circle begets another inner circle. Yeah, and exactly. so if people are seeing value, then the next time when you say, hey, we're going to be getting this group together again at our quarterly event, everybody has the chance to only bring one person, but they have to meet these criteria. They have to be a certain level and you can't invite more than one. And naturally that community blossoms. So that's like the community of you. You know, obviously if we're talking about how to build, you know, business around that's a whole different thing, but whether it's business, professional, uh, personal needs, like community is truly about caring about the people you're around, giving back to those that are there, building something that people want to be a part of, be a part of something that people want to give themselves to and being a part of something they want to share with others. They'll almost it's the secret when they do so. Those are the key elements for successful community. Yeah. I was having a conversation with one of our clients who did this really spectacular kind of community day um, for its, its users and, and its partners. And I, I found myself making the mistake of asking the question about the ROI and um, and it, this is a particularly very good CMO said, well, that's really the wrong question because you can't really point to one event necessarily as an ROI. And it's usually a chain of events, you know, and all things marketing, at least on our, our side. But, you know, in terms of, you know, is there a stigma on on communities from from people who say, well, what do we get out of this? Is that old fashioned thinking? Is it legitimate? Is it minimizing risk like we talked about? Uh, mm -hmm. Any thoughts on, you know, sort of the, 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 uh, the spreadsheet financials of, of a community and, and, and thoughts there? Sure. I mean, look, the first thing is, you know, anything you ever do in life, and this goes to, you know, from, from taking your kid to a baseball game, uh, to uh, watching television, to doing, you know, uh, a massive business deal. All of those things take a certain level of time and prioritization, right? And so the reality is no matter what exercise in life you decide to do, you have to allocate time. So the first thing you're always going to look at, again, personally or professionally, is where's the ROI of that time? And only be able to either undertake efforts you truly see ROI, again, not necessarily financial, um, but something that is going to be meaningful addition to your already dwindling time, because that's the only asset yeah. we'll never get back. So with that as a framework, you know, I don't think anybody should ever say, I go into the idea of building a community because I want to take from that community. Yeah. Um, you will find yourself being the least liked person when that uh, charade <laughs> is up. And again, it's very, very hard to pay your dues people, uh, for, yeah, for, for a long period of time in that regard. Um, and, and so I always say, you don't want to go into this with a taker mentality. You know, it's very much about being that you know, responsible connector who is caring more about connecting others than connecting themselves or being uh, connected, if you will. It's not about that. It's about being of service to others uh, and assuming that 
over a period of time, if you curate the right network, that value will be created at an exponential scale. And some of that exponential value will come your way, not because you went and set out for a specific deal or a specific dollar amount, but because, mm -hmm. you know, when you create the universe of opportunity around yourself, it typically comes back to you because you are becoming a curated, uh, invented entity to many others and to the others of those others that eventually come back down the pipe. So uh, I think there's something to be said about understanding at a clear, a clear level. Don't go in with the expectation of, I want to achieve X, end of your goal, spend this amount of money to receive a, a financial uh, reward in the form of a marketing spend. Yeah. That's not what this is. Um, what this is, is really creating the lifelong passion uh, uh, a lifelong community that will have many dividends along the way um, that will be something that can get you connected into various circles or areas that will help to inspire you, educate you, connect you, uh, and create uh, new opportunities for you as you go. Is there any, uh, you know, when you spend so much time in so many different communities and helping people set up, is there some kind of like a very common faux pas or even one that's happening now in our, our current time where you're just, you know, I call them kind of silently shake your head moments. Uh, they're not always fair. Sometimes you're a little judgmental, but you're like, oh, no, yes. no, 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 stop. No, like, you know, yeah, you're watching. I hate, I hate networkers. I, I hate networkers. I mean, and I say that lovingly uh, because of what I do for a living, but I don't consider myself a networker. I consider myself a connector. And it sounds like semantics until you understand yeah. the definition differences. But a networker is someone by definition who, like, is the guy or the uh, woman at the conference or trade show that's like putting out their hand to shake your hand business card in the other hand and while they're having a half-assed conversation with you they're looking over the, your shoulder to see who's the next person <laughs> in line they're going to target like that's that's who don't i know person, yeah. Right? yeah right it's 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 the person that basically goes into a room and says okay i'm going to have a hundred conversations because no. i need to close 10 deals and one of those deals needs to cover my nut for the next quarter and and so that's that to me is that that salesman's mistake if you will it's it's the oh my god do you really not have the self-awareness to read the room and i, I don't have have a high tolerance for that type of individual uh, ever because uh, I get enough people coming up to me uh, and my colleagues all the time about, you know, wanting things uh, and it seeming so transparent where you almost have to respect the fact that it's so transparent because they are just so icky like these car salesmen <laughs> that you kind of have to at least open. respect they you would hope that they understand who, what they're doing but but that's sort of the thing like the other the other faux pas that I think is just exceptionally terrible um, is when people send emails or communications, whether it's, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, um, and the actual communication is something like, hey, thought we should partner, let's talk. Yeah. Like, w about what? Who are you? What are we talking about? Why hey, let's get married. Talking? We should right, probably exactly. talk. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. I even, I've said this before uh, in the past, you know, this idea of, you know, when people say, well, yeah, but if you're a salesperson, you know, you do have quotas. This is life. You do have numbers. And I say, yes, but, Hypothetically speaking, it is the metaphor of I walk into a room, I look at you for the first time, I say, hey, you know, I want to be your best friend. Can I be your best friend? I really am the best, best friend anyone can ever have. <laughs> Let's go and take this to the next step. And it comes before you've even said your last name. And that's where I think that there's like this disconnect because there's been all these quote unquote MLM, uh, you know, you know, get rich quick, you know, get rid of the exactly. gut, the five nutrients shake yeah. mentalities out there uh, that, that just want to sell the same old shit 
that ultimately say there's this five-step program to networking success. And the reality is relationships cannot be gained. And by the way, if they can be, then you're probably not developing relationships with pretty good people. Like yeah. you want people that better you. And if you are simply put trying to win over people through deception or through, uh, you know, five, the five quick steps to the ab blaster technology, uh, then, then <laughs> you just don't know. You have no sense of, of self to actually create value for others. Therefore you will lose. You know, one of the things that, you know, I, I've really found as I've, I've gotten older is I think when I was younger, I thought communities were places to brag about success. Because you you know you wanted recognition and you did you know you don't necessarily have a lot of wins under your belt, everything's everything's up uphill. But you know as you as you get older, I think you know one of the things I realize is communities are actually the place for vulnerability to say yes. I, you know I don't know or I made this mistake or is anybody else seeing this or what are you seeing and sometimes just to listen and yep. you know the the art of the listen and I think that that's a, just a really big uh, lesson, you know, and, you know, cause we're kind of seeing this notion of, uh, you know, I'll call it the talking head TV. Like the person that shouts the loudest might've won the segment. Like there's some mm-hmm. measurement for it. And we see it in marketing kind of all, all, all the time. Like, I've oh, got, it's the megaphone effect, right? Yeah. It's, it's I the, I'm just going to blast you till I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm and, just going to talk louder than you, or I'm going to be angrier than you. And, 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 and that's also why with community, the whole idea of curation is, is important. But also I will add to that, especially in digital communities, you know, moderation, right? Yeah. I mean, there should be rules in a good community. And again, I'm not saying you should be building a professional organization around yourself, but in a way uh, it, it, is, it is a similar uh, idea yeah. where, you know, you, you don't want to just let people into your world that are going to be all about themselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing worse. You ask for faux pas. I'll give you another one. We've all been at a dinner event, you know, again, back in the day when restaurants were open uh, we've all been at a dinner event where uh you know there's one person the entire time talking about every accolade they've ever won from their fifth grade graduation all the way through their most recent uh you know business development deal and you're sitting there just again read the room no self-awareness uh no no introspection uh and, and it just destroys the entire community yeah. but more importantly what people don't realize uh it destroys the credibility of the person who invited that individual that's a really important thing too we often take for we often take for granted the idea uh, that the curator plays a very important role you know to be a connector means you put your reputation on the line with every introduction with every person you put someone in a room with um with every meeting you help inspire with every deal you're a part of right anything you do is reputation on the line because again especially if you go to someone and say this is the guy you need to work with he's the best he's awesome you know he's wonderful i'm going to give him the top 10 you know people I know in my life and then he messes that whole deal up guess what who it's not going to just be him that you're never going to yeah. you know ever hear from again so so th- there there become challenges as you build this community mindset that you know it is about being methodical it is about being purposeful it is about being selective and that goes to everything you're saying too where you know you don't want to surround yourself intentionally or unintentionally with all about me's or takers or megaphones or amplifiers of advertising speak uh, for the sake of saying that you know people. That's just a very wrong way to think about the world if you're looking to be a serious player in it. You know, I think we spent, you know, the last 10 years trying to build communities that were big in size, you know, to brag about the numbers and the growth and the followers and 
and all of that. And I, you know, and I really think the next 10 years is going to be about, you know, these more intimate communities uh, that are, I, I think you've really hit the nail on the head of this notion of like, I'm a connector. If you're going to be a connector, you need to walk somebody in here and vouch for them. And yep. it's you that, you know, it's not them that's going to look bad. Ultimately it's, it's you, you know, and kind of, kind of like a, a good mafia, right? Like I'm vouching for this person. Like we work together or they help me or. You're uh, putting your reputation on the line, you it, know, in your, in your, in your metaphor, your life, but you get the idea. You know? Exactly. And and this notion of like, you know, I've got more likes or whatever, but the, you know, I think you've hit the head on this notion of curation, you know, it's connect, there are connectors and it's about curation, but then it's really about quality and, you know, and not just, the world we had a great meeting with 10,000 people raging in the pit. Right. Like, that doesn't really right. matter anymore. The world is filled with enough noise. And it's funny, yeah. you know, before, uh, this, before we recorded this podcast, I was talking to my wife about uh, this article that I wrote for Harvard Business Review a couple of years ago that's called Why Your Inner Circle Should Stay Small and How to Shrink It. And every couple of months, the Harvard Business Review will literally put this article somewhere, whether it's LinkedIn, <laughs> whether it's on their Twitter, Facebook. Right. And then all nice. of a sudden, my entire feed will just blow up um, because it always tends to get you know, a very heated debate around the topic, which is that by definition, you should not be quote unquote trying to build a big network. Um, you should be building a series of inner circles and I explain what that means. But it's very funny because it's, it's, it's again, it's this five minute uh, fitness style thinking that, you know, people just think, okay, you're an idiot. No, I can't succeed if I only have five people around mm. me. I have to succeed by knowing 5,000. And, you know, what's hysterical about this is, is that we live the same crap every day. We see failure in those poor lessons learned, and yet we don't change. I mean, case in point, you know, I was on a, a I was speaking at a conference, uh, what seems like 100 years ago now. Uh, and, you know, I basically was listening to the speaker before me. And it's a typical, like, marketing speech about inbound, uh, you know, traffic conversion sure. and, you know, optimizing top of funnel and all this stuff. And I'm listening to the speaker. And I know in the back of my head, at least five of, let's say, uh, you know, his 10 tips um, were things that I know any self-respecting lead would never respond to, right? You were talking like lowest <laughs> common denominator type tips. And so when he got off the stage, I kind of just had to ask him like, hey, I just have a question. When you talk about these tips, right? When marketers try to market to you using those type of tactics, are you responsible? He goes, no, of course not. I know it's marketing. It's like, it makes your head spin because it's the same <laughs> concept here. We know it's not good for us. We know that having 5,000 LinkedIn connections is worthless. We know that going to a trade show and walking the trade show floor with no direction or strategy or smaller groups is pointless. And yet we like sheep continue to do these same old, you know, school things thinking we're going to get a different result. And the reality is it's because the other alternative is scary. That selectivity is hard, not easy. People yeah. think cutting things out is, is some sort of like, it's oh, a lot of work. Time. It's, it's a lot of work. You can't automate it's, it. It's not, <laughs> you know, right. You can't scale humanity. You can use technology to amplify yourself, but the mistake happens when you use it to replace yourself. People ask me all the time, what technology should I use to curate my community? The second you're asking me that question, what you're saying is you're thinking about the tool, not about the talent. And that is the problem. We are thinking too much about the stuff, the whistles, the bing, bang, zoom, uh, and the ability for us to automate simplicity, thinking this is like a SaaS product. It's not. Relationships take time, years, sometimes decades, and they're never complete. 
And the only way to scale them is with your time. So you can't scale infinitely. So where do you scale? And that's where I think most people need to spend a lot of hard time thinking before they jump into the big buzzword of community to say, what does community really mean to me? Because to some people, community might simply be the five best friends you have in business, the five closest relatives you have, the five industry insight folks you have that can change the world for one another through masterminding. It doesn't need to be 50, 500 or 5,000. It doesn't. You know, it's interesting because it's, it's, I think the, you know, the notion is people think community, they think large, but it's really, maybe you should be thinking about your community as the individual connections first. And, and then, you know, then maybe the pattern of a community emerges and, you know, rather than, you know, this is, I'm going to build a community. It's like, well, where do I, would I like more connection? Where do I need more connection? Where could I learn more? And kind of take it as a, a little bit more of a like sniper approach or very pinpointed rather than we're going to, you know, I'm going to build a community. And then if, you know, I always think of the baseball movie, you know, if they build it, they will come. Well, not really. And, uh, you know, you just can't build something and have it sit there. It really takes, like, to your point, a couple really good, caring people. And maybe maybe you just start at the people and not the field or, you know, the, or the stadium. Yeah, don't, don't think so hard about it. I think when people have to think about it, they start deciding it's a strategy. And the second it becomes a strategy, it sounds like it's a, you know, strategic, right. They they all of a sudden think it's got to have a spend and then there's marketing and then there doesn't succeed or fail. Like, look, you either want to uh, build a community or you don't, you either see value in investing in those around you or you don't. Um, If you, if you don't get the point of why you should be investing yourself on behalf of others, uh, this probably isn't for you. Uh, And if you don't see how that potentially could create exponential value for you, in life, not just business. Again, I advise you stay away. Well, Scott, this has been a fascinating and a terrific conversation. I I thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Our thanks to Scott Gerber for joining us today. For more information on the community company, just visit community.co. We hope you'll subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing series on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, we welcome your comments and suggestions for our future episodes. Next up, Davida Dinnerman will be talking to cybersecurity expert Lissa Myers. Lissa was one of the industry leaders featured in last year's book, Women Know Cyber, 100 Fascinating Females Fighting Cybercrime. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Till next time, be well. <laughs>